0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and bulldog fans everywhere. We're coming to you again this time, not at in the small hours yep. of the morning or shortly before midnight. So we should both be awake and energetic today. Um, welcome back to the show, or welcome to the show for the first if it's for the first time. Well, we're glad to have you. Thank you for listening to the Hell State Shockwave. I'm your other
1: co-host, Gavin Logozino.
0: Co-host Colton Watson. And like I said, this is the Wave. Just a quick reminder, we are affiliated with Wave Sports. Uh, we ask you to check out them on in, uh, Instagram and all kinds of other social media. They have hundreds and dozens of accounts and uh, different types of pages for you to follow where you can keep up with your favorite teams or athletes, leagues, um, any any of the, uh, those kinds of things and things of that nature. So we encourage you to give them a, give them a follow or a ad or a Friend them, or you know, all those, all the ways you can connect with people on social media, uh, they're there. Um, Getting right into what the show today, you know, we're me and Gavin today, we're going to talk about every game on Mississippi State's schedule. That's right. We're going to talk about all 12 football games. Um, We're going to talk about what players we think are going to be uh, impactful this year, and we're going to just break down what we think the, the outcome of these games are going to be. So, Without further ado, we're just going to jump right in. Of course, we open up on August 31st at 11 o'clock with the mighty Raging Cajuns of Louisiana, formerly known and probably still known to most of us as Louisiana Lafayette. Um, So, what I have down to the Raging Raging Cajuns Cajuns is
1: that they have one of the better uh, returning running back duos on our schedule, really. Um, They have... Trey Rogas and Elijah Mitchell who combined for two thousand yards and twenty one touchdowns last year. Um, and if a lot of you guys are thinking about uh whenever we played Louisiana Lafayette last year, they had they actually had that Hispanic quarterback, Andre Nunez. He was really quick. Um, I wouldn't say he gave us any trouble, but he was just he was just quick in the pocket, uh very mobile. And he had a pretty pretty nice short game in terms of uh You know what he was able to do on the ground and through the air. But he is actually gone now, and he has been replaced by Levi Lewis. So I'm not really sure how Levi Lewis is going to do, and they don't know how Levi Lewis is going to do either because this is his first start in college football. So it should be interesting. Um, I don't really see this game to be anything of a struggle for State. I I do think with it being the opening game of the year, um, you know, it might take a a drive or two for the offense and defense to get everything, you know, get a feel for everything and how it's going to flow. But I do think state wins this game pretty handily. Um, So the score prediction that I have for now is 45 to 14, Mississippi State.
0: So just as we go through these games, Gavin and I will give you each our uh, own score predictions that we came to uh, independently, um, and you can take that with a grain of salt for what you will. It's actually a really hard year to give score predictions because there's a chance the defense could be just as good as it was last year, and there's a there's – just as you could talk me into thinking they'll take a couple steps back also, there's a chance the offense could be just as ineffective as it was last year, but I really believe it's going to be a lot better, but there's a lot of uncertainty if you ask me to go back and pick these games after we get through the first quarter of the season, I'd feel a lot better. Of course, everybody would, but um, just the things, you know, Lafayette, they uh, their head coach is a former Mississippi state assistant. He knows uh, what these players can do. You know, he's, he's not been around so long. Uh, he hasn't been around uh, Mississippi state so long that he's going to know every single player on the roster, but there's still some guys he's familiar with. Um, he never coached under Coach Moorhead, so the scheme won't, he won't be an insider to the scheme of things. But he is, you know, a guy that knows what it's like to be in the SEC. Um, got a lot of Mississippi, Louisiana kids on these team on this team. That's uh, this is a game that's going to be important to the Mississippi kids, especially. If you remember last year, they had a dynamic run game and a lot of quick screens and short passes. They like to get receivers out in space to try to make plays. Uh, make plays with their legs um, after they get the ball in their hands. Uh, usually in front of the five five yards from from the line of scrimmage, they uh the I think a really key big key here and a big key for the rest of the uh, the season of course is how Bob Sheep schemes the defense and the adjustments he makes to keep them off balance and to keep them uh, off of their game plan because their game plan is going to be you know three or four yards at a time with uh with quick huddles and or no huddles and dynamic. Uh, with a dynamic running game and the quick passing game and just a way to just keep us moving and keep us off our, off our game. Um, by not, you know, they're not going to be going for the 20 yard bomb every other play. There's, like these group of five teams aren't going to be able to do against SEC teams. Um, but that being said, I think the offense probably starts off a bit right. rusty. But um, we still so can, moving still on to the next week, about 42 to six. state opens
1: up at home with Southern miss, um, so, first and foremost, I would like to say that I think this game is going to be quite a bit easier than Louisiana Lafayette. No disrespect to Southern Miss, but uh, this will be our first time playing Southern Miss since 2015. And last time we played them, uh, we won 34-16, to I think. That was actually Dak's senior year. Um,
0: That's yeah, right. we
1: did. But uh, we were able to pull out a win. We played and terrible. That game I, too. I really don't expect things to be any different this year. I think we should keep the win streak going against Southern Miss. Um, you know, they just nothing that they have really pops out at me. Me and Colton were actually talking about this game a few days ago, and just the, the atmosphere that surrounds Southern Miss football isn't too great right now. Not not that they have all field issues or anything. It just seems like there's no really win, will to win and get better down there. Um, and I actually have state winning this game fifty six to
0: three. That's uh, I agree with a lot of what you said. I've I have heard I do think both of these first group of five teams are going to be eight or nine win teams. They're both uh, at the coming off the good on they're on the good side of a talent cycle at most positions. Um, Lafayette. Uh, If you look at their schedule, they have a uh, two or three other than us, two or three really tough games, but a lot of winnable games. Southern Miss, another tough team. It just if that's uh, if that eleven a.m. kickoff and it being a group, another group of five team doesn't have state overlooking anybody, which I think we all still remember too much from two thousand sixteen to overlook any to try to overlook anybody. Uh, If you remember. back-to-back years, we struggled with Troy in 2017 and lost to South Alabama in 2016. And since then, there has not been any doubt with some of these group of five teams. There has, there has not been um, any – and some would – we lost to BYU in 2017, and that's technically a, a, not a group of five team. But um, ever since then, any teams that we're supposed to beat We've been we've been beating uh, non conference. We haven't lost a non conference game uh, since then, and I expect there to be a still strong showing then. You know, we're not we're not one of those teams that's going to roll up to a uh, to a game and just walk through it. We yeah, saw Alabama Citadel. do that a little bit last year. Um, yeah. who was at that that the Citadel had them on the ropes and had them tied at halftime. If that happens here, I'll be shot, Especially yeah. being an in state game, it'll kind of get everybody woken up. Of course, Southern Miss wants to beat us really bad. Um, I think we could win that game 56-10, to 10, though. And if it's a little bit closer again, it's yeah. hard to predict. Um, uh, so, moving on,
1: the, the, the we directions are the still at home. We, uh, we are actually bringing in KSU. And the interesting thing about uh, KSU is that Bill Snyder is gone now. They actually got um, Chris Kleiman from North Dakota State. Uh, if you don't know anything about North Dakota State, they regularly win Division II championships. Uh, it was also where Dak Prescott's rival Carson Wentz uh, played his college ball at. But the interesting, what makes Kansas State the most interesting team, in my opinion, non-conference wise on our schedule, is that uh, we got Isaiah Zuber from Kansas State. So this is going to be a very personal game uh, for both sides. You know, Zuber's is going to want to show up in front of his former coaches. Um, and then, of course, Zuber's ex-teammates are going to be wanting to, uh, you know, make him, make him regret leaving. But Zuber played a, played a large leadership role in their offense last year as their leading receiver. But outside of Zuber, uh, KSU actually returns their other three best receivers, and they got a guy from Michigan State to attempt to replace Zuber. Um, they also returned their starting quarterback, Skylar Thompson. Uh, but outside of that, Bill Snyder really left a pretty bare bones roster for uh, Chris Kleiman. And I also think state wins this game not easily, but I think that I don't think they'll have any real issues with Kansas State. I think state wins 38 to 13.
0: You know, I've got a similar prediction. Um, and this is, this is a little bit of a tough game to predict because we know that Chris Kleiman can coach. Um, absolute, uh, awesome coach. Um, he won, I think, I think it was four or five championships in a row, na- national championships in a row at North Dakota state. So that's a big deal. Um, that North Dakota state upset a couple big 10 and big 12 teams during that time. So this is a guy that knows how to win and knows how to, uh, create an upset. I don't think it just depends on what's he gonna, going to be able to do in a first, in his first year at Kansas state. And that's, and if he's makes a splash in his first year, um, I think that would be, if he is just able to really pull it together early as a coach. I think that's going to be the best their best chance to give us trouble. But these aren't his. Most of this roster isn't his roster. Not the way that he does things. Um, we saw a lot of first year head coaches last year that, that everybody thought was going to be I feel great. Like you can include Joe As Great as they list. thought they were going to do. Uh, Chip Kelly, um, Scott Frost. If the same, uh, you could you could almost include Joe Moorhead in that, and, and I think. I think if we win the bowl game, you'd, you'd probably have him right where we right, just a little bit under what we thought he'd be. But, and I still think Mo, Moorehead's a good coach. I just did. We just thought he was going to be able to make his offense work with anybody in it. And it's not, He needs his own people to be in it. That's my, that's my theory. But, uh, I think the, the heat and humidity could factor And, and I, It's hot in Kansas y'all, but if it's as humid as it is in Mississippi in the summer, which it will still be summer when we play Kansas state, um, that's going to be painful for the people from, or for the players from Kansas State because that is going to be a daytime game. Um, I think our offense kind of starts to get it clicking together and the defense as well. And, again, Shoop's defense against this team last year at their place was outstanding. In fact, if not for a turnover on a tip's pass, uh, we would have kept them out of the end zone easily um, throughout the whole game. I, think, I don't think it's going to be much different, especially when we had the scouting report that Zuber's going to give you know, you like to think that, uh, you, 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 you know, when you transfer players over, it's, it doesn't make, it makes some differences that you wouldn't think of. It makes a lot of differences that uh, – it doesn't make some differences that you would think of. So, for example, is he going to be able to tell the defensive coordinator scheme and all that and just tell him – no, because there's, that is so reactionary to what you're doing. Telling him what the defensive coordinator likes to do on so X play, Y play isn't going to help. Also, the defensive coordinator knows that Isaiah Zubr is there, so he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna stick to his tendencies. But what Zuber can do is he can say, "Hey, this DB can't cover when, when you do this. This receiver is a little bit weak on this kind of route, or this receiver uh, is not faster than him. So you don't have to put. You can lock him up uh, with this cornerback on our team, and it kind of it, it works out that way for the most part. Um, just him scouting his old teammates." Okay. I think that's going to work to our advantage, and I think we can win about 42 to 13. And that's that's a big point spread. Kansas State has just was just on a decline uh, last year, didn't have the year they thought they were going to have, and, lost, and like you said, lost a lot of pieces. And it's a, being a home game. This is – if the team does – if the team lives up to its potential that I think it has, I think um, uh, 20, so or 20
1: or more points. To continue games, the home stretch, this is our spread. last game of the three-game home stretch. We have Kentucky. Um, everybody remembers that game last year. That was really I'd say that game was a reality shock last year for a lot of state fans who were thinking, you know, national championship and that sort of thing, SEC championship. Um, you know, Kentucky hurt last year and I think a lot of the guys were hurt by the Kentucky game also. It wasn't just the fans. Um, I feel like Kentucky they all think that Kentucky kind of ruined uh what they thought would be a great season last year pretty early on and not that things necessarily got worse from there, it was just kind of it was hard to come back after such a shocking loss on the road. Um, but the good thing about Kentucky is they no longer have Benny Snell and they no longer have Josh Allen. And Josh Allen was the guy who was on the edge last year, uh, outside linebacker, just giving us absolute fits. Uh, it seemed like we couldn't block him all night long. But they do return their quarterback Terry Wilson. Uh, You know, any SEC returner is going to be valuable to an offense, but this guy was 14th in passing yards in the SEC last year. Um, Yes, they did have Benny Snell, so they were more of a run-heavy offense. But like I said, 14th passing in the SEC, that's nothing special. Um, You know, Kentucky's still a good football team. Their wide receiver core isn't too impressive outside of Lynn Bowden Jr., Um, if you guys remember him from last year. He's just a – He's more of a slot guy, but he can do it all. Uh, he kind of reminds me of, I'd say, my comparison for him.
0: Yeah. Lynn Bowden was recently named one of the most underrated players in the league. Yeah, and I'd have to for agree. sure. He's, I would kind of
1: – My, the, my Mississippi State comparison to him would be uh, probably Jameon Lewis. You think that's fair, Colton? But, uh, good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He was
1: uh, yeah. He he, he um, popped so up a lot of my sheet looking last on the year, other side of the ball for, for Kentucky, the Kentucky though they game, lost seven defensive starters, um, so you know they lost. Not only did they lose superstars like Josh Allen, but they they lost a lot of guys who were just getting valuable reps and minutes for them last year. Um, you know it is an SEC game. It's at home. I just because of the offensive, not struggles, but I do see Kentucky. Not being as good on offense or defense this year, I, I feel like they're going to take a pretty decent sized step back on both sides of the ball. I think State wins this game, thirty-one to
0: fourteen. That's right. You know, um, Kentucky. It's one of those teams that there's you have you have what's called talent cycles, and they're at the end of a talent cycle. And the way Kentucky is set up right now, because they're a basketball score or whatever it is the 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 end of their the, their culmination of their talent cycle puts them in a position to do what they did last year and that's um, win double digit games if you uh, beat us by by three touchdowns which is crazy to me um some schools like Alabama don't have talent cycles they're always good they, they, their talent's always probably better than most people they have so, some they have a little bit of a talent cycle there's some team top t- years where they're more stacked than others. Mississippi State, when we, we have gotten out of the out of that kind of streak of every three or four years we have a nine-ish win season, get back to five or six wins, and then now we've gotten to where if we have a talent cycle culmination, that'll probably end in 10, 11, 12 wins, kinda like 2014. Um That being said, because of Kentucky's gonna be have a lot of holes, like just like Gavin said, um, there's not going to be just the the ability to rush the pass like they did last year i think we could win this game 35 to 14 i think revenge will be a factor and yeah, i think we're going to be a lot more disciplined this so what's your score prediction? The last time we
1: played them okay um so going back on the road 35 to 14 at auburn uh first thing i want to say about auburn is their entire offensive line is back and it's not like they were dominant last year by any means they struggled a good bit um you know, not only did they struggle with blocking, but I'd say discipline was kind of an issue for the Auburn offensive line. Uh, and unless anything's changed in the last couple of hours, because, you know, there's been a lot of resolved quarterback battles today. There was somebody who – there was a quarterback battle that ended today, wasn't there, Colton?
0: Yeah. I'm not sure and Fields about was today. I yesterday. know uh, Jalen Hurts was so. named at Oklahoma, but that was obvious. Justin Fields was named yesterday. Yeah, so – and there, there was a yeah. battle there. Um, of course, we knew – we figured we knew who was going to yeah. come out of it. So,
1: um, the host looking, kid
0: I think is pretty looking good. Looking into Auburn's quarterback battle, they He's have like a redshirt
1: freshman, Joey Gatewood, and then um, a true freshman, five-star, Bo Nix. So, you know, that quarterback battle, as far as I know, hasn't been resolved yet. But both of those guys are definitely capable of running a high-powered offense. Um yeah, you know, my only concern if I was an Auburn fan coming into this game would be that your starter only has four games under his belt. No matter who he is, um, you know he's going, he's playing a, a quality defense. I think it's fair to say that just to lock this Mississippi State defense in on being a quality defense,
0: yeah, a confusing defense. Shoot, I feel like Shoot's going to really get after a young quarterback. I think I think this is not a good this is not a good team. If if you're Mississippi State, yeah. anybody that plays against you is going to be really uh, nervous with a young quarterback. Um, simply because shoot can be confusing. Shoot can blitz at times when you just don't just this doesn't look like it doesn't look like a blitz or doesn't think that there should be a blitz on this down. He'll blitz on first down and play coverage yeah. on third down, and it's just. Really, really yeah, unique type of scheme that I think so really confused looking, So just looking – I think Auburn
1: will win this, win this game in this game. the trenches if they, if, they are, if they do manage to come out with a win. Their defensive line is still a great group, probably one of the better position groups in the SEC. Um, and then if you look at their offensive line, like I said, they're returning all their guys. I don't think our edge guys will have a problem with their tackles, but their guards and centers could uh, – you know, they could mess with our defensive tackles. Um, just – yeah,
0: defensive tackle is something we got to yeah, work on. And I on think this year. I, I think th- by game five practice,
1: or six, this really this won't be a problem. There. And this is game five that we're talking about right now. So you really never know. But uh, like I said, it's, it, I feel like it's unfair to expect a, a lot out of our defensive tackles just with the limited reps that they've had in the past. Um, yeah, I
0: saw Jaden Crumedy. A- Redshirt freshman defensive tackle yesterday. Uh, Saturday, I saw him Saturday. He looks, he looks fit. He looks, he looks the part of an SEC lineman. He's filled up because I saw him before the season started last year. And, you know, he was just a little bit, little bit sluggish looking. But you know, yeah. that's how freshmen. Um, you know, freshmen have to get an SEC weight room for a while. And he's definitely put on the bulk that he needs uh, to play that position. That can't yeah. speak for any of the uh, ones. One, I know Nathan Pickering's really. One more deep, thing that still, I want to touch on though with Auburn like is the receivers player. group. Their so receivers have, have
1: the ability to burn anybody in the country, and I, I'm not saying that – don't take that lightly because they have two of the fastest receivers too. Probably two of, the, two of the fastest receivers in college football right now. One of them is the fastest player in college football. Um,
0: makes me feel – they graduated Darius yeah. Slayton. But, that's good. He killed us the time we played – the last time we played them at Auburn. But they do have those speedy guys. Makes me feel really good to have a, a great cornerback group this year because we do. We do have a yeah. outsta- two so, outstanding corners um, starting. You know, and just some real, a couple just because really good you, guys because you like me and Colton
1: have said in the past. Um, just looking at the schedule, you have to put the losses somewhere because it's not fair to say that uh, you know to predict Mississippi State to go eleven and one or ten and two or whatever you think it might be. So I actually do have State losing this game on the road at Auburn. Um, you know, just a tough game in a, in a tough environment. I think State loses 16 to 17.
0: You know, I, I have us losing 21 to 17. And, like yeah, just like Gavin said, guys, there's I can make a case for us to win every game on here. Now, I might be stretching a little bit for the Alabama game, but that being at home, if that's a night game, you know, we should have had Alabama last time we played at home. And I think this team is better than that team but there's just a few games that you just have to just you can't just say oh we're going to win all these games because i could see i could see us winning all of these games and you're probably right we, they're all winnable but we're not going to have the, the ball's not going to fall our way the coins the coins not going to land on our side for all of these games and so that's something we just have to be real with and i'm and i'm not saying it can't happen i'm just saying we're not going to be pollyannas and pick us to win every game when that's unrealistic, even though yeah. we realistically could win could win every game individually by themselves. Looking at yeah. each game by themselves. Um, so, moving on, win, but you, I, you we actually have a, a bye and week,
1: and I'm not going to skip over the bye week like you might have thought we would, but, uh, you know, the bye week, I just want to talk about the placement of our bye weeks that we have this season. I think it is absolutely perfect. Um, so, we leave Auburn, uh, and, you know, if we didn't have a bye week right here, we would – we would play a tough game at Auburn and then go right into Neyland Stadium in uh, Knoxville. And that is a tough environment to go win a football game in. So I'm, I'm very glad that uh, we have a bye week before we head to Tennessee just so we can get some rest. So the guys can get some rest and have a little bit of extra time to prepare for that environment. Um, you know, not that I think Tennessee is going to be going to out talent us on the field. It's just, like I said, going into that type of environment, you never know what can go on.
0: You know, uh, and it also is a double is a double edged sword if you're Tennessee because they have to play us in between their games versus Georgia and Alabama. So they'll play Georgia before us and then Alabama right after us. Um, that makes you know you would expect in the SEC for every coach and player to be able to focus on the game at hand, but yet here every time time and time again you'll see smaller teams get overlooked because LSU or Alabama's coming in town next week, and uh, that. I doubt that's the case for Mississippi State. As formidable as Mississippi State yeah. is going to be, but it's not going to hurt. It is going to help getting getting them after they play Georgia. You know they'll be banged up after playing a great team. Um, it's the game that uh will be. I'll be on fall break if you're a student at Mississippi State. Um, it's the game that it's would make me nervous just because you're going into somewhere that's really unfamiliar. And we've had tr- on the road at, in at the uh, SEC East hasn't been our forte the last couple of years. In fact, each of the last three years, our road SEC East game has been a loss. But it's definitely a game that I think we can and should win, and I actually do have us winning. Um, I've got us winning this game 34-17. to 17. I don't think Jeremy Pruitt is the, best co- is the best guy for a head coaching position. I think uh, un- unless their offensive coordinator just really shows some improvements, I don't think they're going to have much of a chance to score a ton of points on us. I know that Garantano last year, all you can really say about him, he was really good on third and fourth down, really spotty otherwise. And I feel like he'll be the kind of quarterback that shoot could confuse and could disorient. Yeah. They definitely had some good games last year. They beat Auburn. Yeah. So um, it's not a team to I just want to touch on a few things real quick. Their offensive line will be
1: good. Um, They've got talent all across the board for their offensive line. Um, You know, I think. Contrary to what Colton said, I think that Tennessee has the ability to be great under uh, Pruitt just because, you know, he's a he's a guy that came, uh, you know, learned under Nick Saban for a few years. And now he's out trying to build his own dynasty. Uh, I feel like Tennessee is a good place to do that just with the tradition they've had over there. Um, And I'm really happy that we're not playing this team a year or two down the road.
0: Yeah, I think this is a game that's a lot better for us if it happens in 2019 than it would in, like, 2021 or something like that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, So, moving on, looking at their wide receiver core and their uh, running back stable, they're very deep at both positions with a lot of young guys. Um, A few veterans, but they're going to have a lot of guys that can make plays in the skills position on offense. Um, With all that being said, yes, this is a tough road game, but I don't think – I don't think Tennessee is back to their glory days quite yet. Um, I do think they'll make a bowl game this year, but I think State wins this one 27-17.
0: So, moving on, um, we get to finally come back home after two games and a bye week, uh, two road games and a week at home on the couch. We get LSU as our next game. Like I said, playing them at home. Last time we played them at home, we uh, run them out of the gym. I like our chances to win this game again this year. Just like I have a case for making – you have a case for every single game that we play, except, uh, maybe give or take one or two. Um, I picked this one as one win of wins because it's at home, to be honest with you all. And another reason is if you ask an LSU fan, they think they're going to be putting up 60 points per game on offense. I just think that remains yet to be seen. Um, and I want them to prove it. Now, will my prediction change if their first three or four games they're putting up 60 points? Yeah, then I'll probably get a little bit nervous about what I, my score that I have here. Um, just to spoil it for y'all, I've got us winning 24-17. to 17. But uh, this is another time, like I've said time and time before, for our defense and Bob Sheep to really get after a veteran quarterback, um, a veteran uh, a opposing head coach in Ed Ogeron with a lot of returning talent on offense. If if it's really up – this is a game that, you know, offense was a struggle last year, but this is a game that our defense is going to really need to be um, top notch. And I uh, hate to break it to you all too, but LSU's defense is loaded. I think we could pull out a close one. But like I said, LSU's offense is another big question mark that could really be good or, or you know, just be about so-so. So.
1: Yeah. Um, so, just like LSU's traditionally always had – a pretty good secondary. Um this year they do return Grant Dale Pitt, and they have a lot of other veterans that'll be back there with him. Uh you know LSU is really good about like uh Colton's been talking about this episode a good bit the recruiting cycle and LSU is very good uh defensively with their recruiting cycle in terms of they'll get some veteran guys that you know by the time they're on their way out there's a new cycle of guys and faces that are going to come up and be the next stars of that LSU defense. Um, and it's the same way right now. They have a lot of young talent, but they are they also have older guys like Grendale Pitt and some others. Um, so, Coach O actually went out and hired Joe Brady from the Saints um, to implement an RPO-based offense under, you know, with the help of Joe Burrow, of course. But the interesting thing about uh, Joe Brady is that he was actually under Joe Moorhead at Penn State. So, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out, and like Colton said, LSU fans are obviously hyping up their offense right now, but we'll have to see uh, you know, what, what how it turns out. But I do wanna say, uh, Joe Burrow, I think he's slightly overrated in terms of, you know, what people are gonna see in the RPO. They expect him to be a Nick Fitzgerald runner and that's just that's just not the type of player he is. That's not the type of player I see him being. But I do think that uh they'll have pretty pretty decent success under a guy like uh Joe Brady. So I have, I have, I actually have state losing this game thirteen to seventeen, and like we said earlier, it's just like Colton said. You know, state can win every single game that we're saying, but you got to put the losses somewhere because going twelve and zero is very unlikely.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, just to build off some of the things that you said, I don't, I don't, I know Joe Burrow isn't the runner that Nick Fitzgerald is. I don't think he's, you know, the passer that your Jake Brom or Taiga lower or something is. I see, you know, the best thing I could say about Joe Burrow, and this is a, a great confidence, Joe, Joe Burrow is not going to be the reason you lose. He might not be the reason you win very often, but he's not going to be the reason you lose. He doesn't turn the ball over very often. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And that's, that's, that's high praise for a quarterback because, you know, sometimes your quarterback can be a star athlete and can make all the throws, but because of his decision-making can cost you, can cost you uh, in the worst ways. Yeah, um,
1: the definition of a game manager
0: that's right, but he does a good job. Anyway, moving on, Gavin.
1: Yeah, so uh, after after getting to face LSU at home, we're back on the road again at A&M and College Station. Um, first and foreno- foremost, Kellen Mond is quite possibly the most overrated quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, and that is – I'm sure Colton would agree with me on that. I just don't understand I'm, I'm all the hype. I'm Kellen Mond.
0: He's – it, the the whole Heisman campaign that they that the marketing department at A and M is putting out is that's that's a bit much. I don't, yeah. He's not he's not that kind of quarterback. He's not he's just not that. You know he make, doesn't make great decisions. He I'll be honest. Errol Thompson made a great interception to seal the game against him last year. That was a terrible play. <laughs> he, that, he had no business making that throw. <laughs> like yeah. he does that kind of thing a lot. It's just not. Some people are really high on him. I, a lot the people that I get my information from aren't high on him and I'm not either when I'm talking to them or when I'm just watching him myself, he's okay. I mean, yeah. he's not bad. I he's agree. just not, he's not near the same conversation with, you know, Fields or From or uh, Hertz or Valoa or even the Herbert kid. or Tri- No, he's not that kind of player.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I do want to say though, you know, I don't hate A&M by any means. I think Jimbo Fisher is going to be a great coach in College Station. I think he's a great fit for their program. And I do see him taking them to, you know, pretty high up in uh, the college football world. I just think that, you know, Kellen Ma won't be the guy to do so. Um, You know, the past several years we've had their number. Um, I think think this year will be all the same. Uh, You know, Nick Fitzgerald was always great against A&M. I don't think he never lost to A and M, did he?
0: No, not yeah. as a starter.
1: Yeah, see. So I just I just think that we'll continue the streak on A and M. Uh I think State wins this one twenty seven to seventeen.
0: You know, I've got I've got us losing this one twenty eight to twenty seven, a close one, like I said, gotta pick and I've I think this is a team where A and M and they will be, they'll always favor them They'll beat us. Uh that's just how the how the cookie crumbles. I don't I think A and M is another team that's gotta prove it to me this year. But because of the recent success we've had against them, I do like our chances to come out of there with an upset. Um, this is a game where Tommy Stevens or Keaton Thompson is going to have to show that they're a big-time passer, and then we have a great, a much better chance to win this game than if we are if we have the kind of, you know, run-first quarterback that we've been having the last several years.
1: Yeah, I agree. Because Moving. the biggest – one more thing about A&M, yeah. their front four is looking very solid um, – you know their D line; they have talent everywhere, but it seems like every other position on that Texas A&M defense is just a big question mark. It's like we don't know who's starting, we don't know, you know, we don't know what they're going to be capable of, we don't know, uh, you know, we don't know how they're going to work together. It's just a big question mark. So that'll that'll just have to be seen later in the season. And I really don't think their defense is set up to be very good.
0: And of course, we've got you know this. Everybody, everybody's gonna be figuring things out by this time, guys. We're Plenty of time in the season. By the time we play Texas A&M, nobody's gonna be catching anybody off guard. We'll, we've had we'll have conference games on the road and at home by then. Won't be uh, uh, we won't be sneaking up on anybody, and they're not gonna sneak up on us. Yeah. Moving on, we go to Arkansas. Um, and I mean, I hate to be disrespectful, but I'm not gonna dwell on this game for terribly long. <laughs> Arcan- um, Arkansas was one of the worst teams in all of football last year. They won two and ten. They were two and ten. They lost to North Texas. They lost to Did they lose to Tulsa? Yeah,
1: they beat that's, Tulsa. No, I think yeah, Tulsa was a close one, but I think they They lost they, they, beat pulled Tulsa, ahead. they lost
0: to Colorado. Yeah. They were way ahead of Colorado and Colorado came back and beat them. Yeah. Um So I, I that's just plenty of reasons to not like what's going on in Arkansas. I and this sounds terrible. There I, there's it, you know it doesn't sound terrible. This is the truth. I don't they don't have a position group over there that I would take over ours. Not a single one. I've looked at all of them. <laughs> I like our starting tailback. I like either of our quarterbacks. Offensive line it's it's not that bad. Their offensive line's okay. Uh, a- everywhere on defense I would take over theirs. I mean, it's just it's the the, cut, the they 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 have their chance. They're rebuilding. That's the best way I can put it. They're rebuilding. Yeah. Their starting quarterback is a transfer from Texas A&M, Nick Starkel. And he transferred because he wasn't going to start over Kellen Mond. and I don't think Kellen Mond is that good. So what yeah. does that tell you about Nick Starkle? And I like Nick Starkle.
1: And Nick Starkle hasn't even won the job yet. That's the thing.
0: But but it's not for sure if it'll be him. I think it will be because yeah. he has he has experience. Nick Starkle's played against us before. But yeah, I yeah. just I, that's that, now being on the road. You know, last last time we played Arkansas on the road, we came out a little bit a little bit walk, walking through. Hopefully that won't be the case this time. We don't play Arkansas five days before we play Ole Miss. Like we like we have, you know, like we did two thousand seventeen. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like that the way our schedule worked out that way. We have a full we'll have a full week of practice after we play them to uh to get word, word, ready for the next team we play.
1: Yeah. Um so my my thing about Arkansas is if if they do have a strong position group, you know, i I'm, I'm with Colton on this. I wouldn't take any of their position groups over any of ours, but their strong suit is running back. They have three solid running backs. All of them can get the job done, but then you look at our running back group and it's Kylin Hill, Nick Gibson, Lee Witherspoon. You know, you can't – I don't think anybody can really compete with that outside of maybe Alabama. Um, Georgia. Yeah, and that's, and that's still questionable in my book. You know, Kylan Hill is going to be an elite back. Um, their defense is going to be absolutely awful. And they they might be the worst. They might have the worst defense in the SEC. And don't sleep
0: I'm, on Ole Miss. Don't sleep on them. <laughs> I think Ole Miss can improve from last year and still be the worst defense in the SEC. Yeah, Hot take.
1: Um, but <laughs> Nick Starkle, I don't. I'm on the other side of the boat as Colton. I don't. I don't necessarily think Nick Starkle has that starting spot locked down. I think Ben Hicks from he's actually a transfer from SMU. I think he could come in and win the job and. I don't think their offense would be too terribly bad with Ben Hicks or Nick Starkle, um, but obviously it's not going to be good enough to win them football games, you know, just with how bad their defense is going to be. I think State uh, walks out of Fayetteville with a 52-10 to win. The biggest – another thing about this team is that, uh, you know, like Colton said earlier, he thinks that Matt Corral is going to be the guy to keep their offense above the water is the term that he used, and I –
0: I'm not high on the guy now. Don't get right, me, okay. don't give me co- confused. He's he's going to have to be that guy for right. them. I don't think he's that good. He's got a plus-plus arm as far as a deep ball or whatever. Um, I think he's he's obviously hot-headed. I don't think he's the – he's kind of like the uh, Johnny Menzel or Baker Mayfield kind of yeah. character. I don't think he's got the accuracy around the, mid, the mid-passing the mid game, nor is he quite as fast as they would like him to be if you are going to be like a Nick Fitz kind of runner. Right, so.
1: You already, not very you already bumped either. him down uh, well enough for me, so I'm not even going to touch on that anymore. But I do think that the guy that I'm will sorry. keep this offense, if they have a good offense this year, it is going to be because of Scotty Phillips. And not necessarily because they're going to run the ball, but it's because he's going to run the ball effectively when they choose to give it to him. And I do think Scotty Phillips is Look, one of the better backs in the SEC. Scotty
0: Phillips and Collin Hill each got snugs from the AP uh, all SEC teams. Um, I think I think Scotty Phillips is their best offensive player for yeah. sure. He he showed them a lot more last year than he thought they thought he was going to show them. Um, if you can tell, I'm talking a lot more about this one particular team than I am a lot of these teams, and you know, does that does that, does that show show you how what what kind of person I am and how petty I can be, mm-hmm. maybe? But it's a rivalry for yeah. a reason. I
1: just think I just think Scotty not only is he their best offensive player, he's their best player, period.
0: Probably so. They they're high on that linebacker with the name Momo Sinogo. Momo I can pronounce it, I just can't think of how to say it. <laughs> Momo Sinogo. Yeah. All but, right. I predict we'll win this game and I just I just wanted to go bigger than last year with this uh because we're playing at home and they've lost so much. I and I think we'll be a slightly better than last year. So I've got us winning forty two to
1: three. Yeah, uh, and I'm in the same boat boat as Colton I have us winning forty nine to ten.
0: All
1: right. Now we're going to move on to our Moving we're, on. Go, we're actually going to start doing this For every athletic season We, we are starting the Hale State Shockwave Awards So what we're about to give you guys Is our preseason predictions We're going to break it down by each award um, So so far the awards that we have Are offensive MVP Defensive MVP First year Bulldog of the year Freshman of the year Breakout player of the year Most improved player And assistant coach of the year So
0: that's right. And uh, reminder, guys, there will be postseason versions of these awards, and those are the most important awards an athlete can win. Okay, just to let you all know, there is nothing there is no higher honor that can be bestowed than what we me and Gavin, two young guys by ourselves, decide um, exclusively without anybody else's um, opinion or two cents in whatsoever. These these awards will make or break a whole athlete's career just to let you all know. So, you know, if, don't sleep on if you my, don't want right? a Heisman preseason's not as good as
1: Because guess what, you were the That's first right. year Bulldog of the year. So who cares?
0: That's that exactly. I mean, there's no first year Bulldog of the year of the year from a senior in high school and junior yeah. in college. There's there is no more qualified people to give that Heisman worse. All right, Gavin, our first one. So we have different ones. Well, we, when we do the postseason ones, we will agree. So these are more just yeah. predictions.
1: So we we Pre-season actually match up on a few of these, but for the most part, they're different.
0: That's right. That's right. So you, okay. you start. You give your list, and I'll give mine. All right. You want to do it
1: by you want you want to do it by uh, each award. We'll say ours for each award, or do you want to go all the way down? Here? Yeah, oh, that's yeah.
0: good. Yeah, I like. I all like
1: right. That. So my yeah. offensive MVP is Kylin Hill.
0: My offensive MVP was Kylin Hill. At the beginning of the summer, I've changed it to Tommy Stevens. Bit of a risk; he might not even play. <laughs> I think he—I think he has a chance though to really just make, b- jump us from the offense that we were to the offense that we want to be, and the, that's why I picked him. You know, if, if our offense—if he plays and our offense does a huge one hundred and eighty, even if Kylan Hill gets two thousand yards, it's going to be because of Tommy Stevens. Okay. So that that's why I think he I pick him even if Tommy you know doesn't throw for five thousand. So even if my
1: guy deserves it, your guy's still going to win it because it's because of him. Yes. Okay. Well, we have we have some predetermination <laughs> over here. Uh, moving on to defensive MVP, I chose Cam Dantzler. I've just been following his off season, and I'm really impressed with the ball skills he's developed. I do think he's going to get quite a few more interceptions as we've seen in the past. Um, Cam's always been a great defender, but never really somebody who. Go after the ball, and I think we're going to see a change in that this year.
0: Um, I've got Errol Thompson again. I changed if you, I, I've released these at the beginning of this of the summer, um, and I had Chauncey Rivers as our defensive MVP because I love our defensive lineman. But the thing is, Errol Thompson, guys, is the one guy that coaches, media, teammates, everybody agrees is a absolute stud, a leader, elected captain as a junior for a reason. He is going to be. A huge difference maker, even if he's not the MVP. Definitely one of the, one of the most valuable players on this defense. I think it's a pretty safe pick. Um, this is not the flashy pick. This is not the uh, – I don't think mine or Gavin's is the, the hot take yeah. on, either, on, those, on either of these awards so far. Um,
1: so, moving on from that, though, we have the first year Bulldog, Bulldog of the Year. So this is really just anybody who's new to the team, whether it's a grad transfer, juco transfer, true freshman, or whatever that might be. So my pick for this award is Javante Payton.
0: Um, I'm going to have to agree with you, and I wouldn't have a couple weeks ago, yeah. but the word out of camp is that he's absolutely balling. Mm-hmm. Um, I might – you know, you're tempted to pick Z- Isaiah Zuber, of course, and, of course, Tommy Stevens would be eligible for this award as well. I think, though – Javante Payton has just demonstrated that he's able to do it all as a receiver. He's, he's in the slot, but he's out there jumping and high-pointing the ball uh, as an X receiver as well. I, I, I like what he's doing, and uh, he, he, sh- he, t- he made it clear that he didn't like that we didn't think he was going to start this season. Yeah, we're
1: sorry, Javante. Even though I gave we, him, I gave him yeah, compliments. Yeah, we did, we did give Man, him I, compliments. That was so
0: nice. We gave him I think my
1: graphics remarks might have been what did it for him.
0: I hope he's. I hope he's listening because we are not we're awake now. We were if we were sleeping earlier. We're definitely yeah. awake. We Good woke. Worry. All right.
1: Um, so my pick for freshman of the year is Nathan Pickering.
0: Um, I have the same pick as well. Three hundred and fifteen, six four. Three hundred and fifteen pounds, 6'4", Defensive tackle, and being as soft as we are at that position, as far as the experience goes, we don't have a lot of experience there. I think he's going to get the chance to play uh more than just his allotment of four games. He's also my lo- most likely freshman to not redshirt. So that's what him uh the next contender would probably be Jerry and Jones. Um Charles Cross is a, is the highest ranked freshman in this class, but he's looking at redshirt as, a, as being an offensive lineman. So I think we're definitely uh, on the right track with uh Nathan yeah, Pickering. I agree. That would be my that would be that's I almost thought like that's my safest pick.
1: Yeah. Um so, moving on, we have breakout player of the year. And you might see this as a hot take, some of you, but I put Maurice Smitherman.
0: I like it. I like the pick. Thank you, Colt. I bet he gets a lot of yeah, picks. I feel like he will. <laughs> I've selected Chauncey Rivers. Um, I think it's his money year. He's a senior, and he's de- he's definitely looking to get drafted really, really high. He's best friends with Montez Sweat. They're from the same place, and he saw what happened. He's the same age as Montez. He just redshirted out of junior college instead of playing immediately. He saw the big money that Montez got, and he knows that he can be that kind of athlete as well. So I see Chauncey Rivers uh, really stepping up, getting more than maybe around 10 sacks this year, up, upwards of upwards of eight or nine or 10 sacks as a defensive end. And it's, uh, it's a, from a position group. The defensive line is a position group are going to need a lot of production at from uh, newcomers or from guys that have been waiting their turn, like Chauncey Rivers.
1: All right, so uh, wrapping up the awards, we have two more. Uh, so coming up now, we have most improved player, and I chose Stephen Guidry.
0: I agree with you there. Stephen, you know, we thought he was going to have it all figured out last year, and he kind of did. Going down uh, until the bowl game, um, the, his bowl game performance could have been a lot better. But the games leading up to that, he was really starting to come into his own. Um, I hear word out of camp is that he's taking this pr- approach to practice and training a lot better this year. And that he's still – he's not, you know, just jumping off the page as an explosive pa- uh, pass catcher um, to the point that you're just shocked at what he's done. He's where you would expected. But still, uh, he's definitely looking a lot better in camp in, uh in fall camp this year. I think he's going to be a big time player for us um, this year, just like we thought he was last year. You know, he was definitely our newcomer of the year last year. If you were, uh, would have been mine yeah. for sure.
1: All right. So uh, wrapping it up, though, we have assistant coach of the year. I actually chose one of our new coaches, Chris Marv. He's the linebacker coach. Uh, he played and coached at Vandy. And just from listening to the guys talk about him from camp, uh, you know, whether it's Willie Gay, Errol Thompson, or even, you know, Joe Moorhead's doing this thing in fall camp now uh, where the guys are going to be flipping around and they're going to be moving. Uh, so, like, let's say the DBs are going and getting time with Chris Moore, which is a linebacker coach, just so he can teach them fundamentals and, you know, just things they could pick up from other positions. And I like that a lot. Uh, But everybody's described Chris Marv as a high-energy guy, Uh, you know, somebody that you want to be around, somebody that the players are going to stick to. And uh, he's just the type
0: of guy that is going to get the guys going. Yeah, Joe Moorhead calls him a future head coach. Um, My assistant of the year, though, is somebody that has been a head coach. That's going to be Tony Hughes. He's coached – man, this guy's coached at Ole Miss, at Mississippi State, all over the state. Um, he was head coach at Jackson State, one of the best recruiters in the state of Mississippi. And he's coached almost every position group. He coached cornerbacks at Ole Miss and coaching tight ends here. So, you know the guy just, – he's just a football coach. So, I've, I've – and maybe – and I think the tight ends is going to be a really explosive group this year. Um, now, that's – you know, there's not like there's a lack of talent there and he's just coaching them up for nothing because the tight end group is really deep. But I think you're going to see a lot of production from them. But mostly I think just his attitude on the, on the team is something that the team really needs. And I think during this recruiting cycle up to the signing period in December, his recruiting footprint is going to be very, very important for Mississippi State. Yep. All right. Is that yep, all we that's got? That's all I have. We didn't keep this one under an hour <laughs> for you all. We apologize. Hey, we tried. But
1: uh, Well, a lot of important we'll, stuff. We'll
0: have it. A lot of stuff. Big episode here. With all that being said, though, as always, thank you for listening. Praise the Lord and go dogs and hell State. State. And I did not have anything written down as far as a score this game. I got all the other ones. Uh, a plus for preparation, Colt. Great job. <laughs> um, if I, I'm going to be a little bit cautious, you know, a road game. This will. If I had to predict right now, it probably be a daytime road game. This will probably be about a, I think it'll be about 35 to 10. I think that's how bad we, you know, on the road in the SEC is hard. Arkansas was recently uh, rated by somebody from Saturday down south as the second best home advantage in the SEC after Mississippi State University. And I love how people were arguing with that, that, you know, list when it was done mathematically, like. The guy said, "Here's your, here's the points that Vegas gives them. Here's how many, t- how many points per game on average these teams beat the spread when they were at home. Yeah. Okay, and we had the highest average. Makes sense for us, I think, with the cowbells and everything. And maybe it doesn't make sense that Arkansas is like that. You can't really put, pick out why they're like that. They scream, bit, uh, that must be it. But you know what? The numbers say that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> like." You don't have to believe. You don't have to believe the numbers say convincingly. Yes, this team has the, has is the, the hardest place to play, or whatever like that. But mathematically, it is true. They are the second. They have the second best mathematical point spread wise home field advantage according to the predictions by Vegas in the yeah. SEC. You can't. we pig is scary. I love. I love. I hate when people argue with things that that aren't that are presented factually, and they're not saying this is somebody's opinion and you're wrong. This is. The, the math might not mean anything. you could say that, but you can't say, "Oh, Arkansas can't be second. no that's what the numbers said yep. they were <laughs> anyway.
1: all right, so uh, you know after Arkansas, we have another bye week before we place Bama. I'm just going to touch on that one more time That's, a, that's another nice place bye week getting uh, prep before we before we welcome Bama into Davis Wade um,
0: That's right, you know there's back to two bye weeks this year next year we're going back to one bye week. You know, if I'm a football player, I think I like two bye weeks. If I'm a fan, I like one, only because they'd always put our, our fall break on bye week to where I don't have to miss, like, I could go home and do stuff and not have to worry about uh, absolutely for sure catching our game. I'm going to probably try to catch a couple other games, but I'm not – you know, if we're playing a game on TV or if we're, if we're at home, I'm going to be there. But if we're playing a game on TV, I'm going to watch every single snap. And that just blocks out three hours of my day. Yeah. But – uh. With that, with now our
1: by, our fall break is in between the bye weeks, yeah. so but it happens. Um, so as you all know, two is back. They might have the best receivers in the country, uh, led by of course Jerry Judy, and then they lost, They did lose.
0: Those guys are good. Yeah, at football. they lost
1: Josh Jacobs to the NFL draft, but they still have Najee Harris, who's going to be very good. And then you know they lost. They did lose a lot of talent across the board on defense. But come on, it's Bama. <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna have a good defense. They're
0: gonna have it yeah. back. This is, this is, you know, and I don't, of course, I do not wish this at all. But your best chance to beat Bama is if they've just got a weak point due to um, some fatigue or some injuries uh, on on a key to, uh, position group. You know, we should have beat them in 2017, and their linebackers were
1: depleted. Yeah, they, I think um, they were starting not, three freshman saying, at linebacker.
0: Yeah, and I'm not saying, oh, let, I hope they're all beat it beat to death. No, no. I hope I don't hope their all legs are broken. That's not. I would I would rather I would rather lo- I mean this with all my heart. I would rather lose to a healthy Bama team than a bunch of kids have to get hurt for us to yeah. win. Okay, and that's because you don't wish anybody. Now, be hurt. if they want to do
1: drugs and get kicked off the team, that's that's their yeah, own. That's fault. on them. That's their <laughs>
0: own fault. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think uh, Nick Saban would take to that very well. You don't see a lot of problems like that out of no. Alabama. You don't see a lot of problems out of out of t- that with us yeah. either.
1: Because
0: um, I, I think one thing Dan Mullen did did do do a great job of is he didn't recruit a lot of guys that were troublemakers. Yeah. Uh, he 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 made sure that he got guys that fit our culture, and our culture is we take guys that know know how to yeah. act. Down at Florida, um, we have, different
1: you, story. Yeah.
0: Down at Florida, that's mm-hmm. that is kind of weird how that worked out. Uh, um, you know, you'll you'll have a couple guys get like an MIP, and that always going to happen cuz kids make mistakes you're going to have a couple a couple speeding tickets and uh a drunk and disorderly but for the uh a suspended one game for violation of team rules but you're not going to have kids getting kicked off the team for heavy drugs or PEDs or anything yeah. like that so far with uh with our Down
1: in Tus over in Tuscaloosa it's going to be the same story with them you know Nick Saban keeps their challengers filled up so they're not going to give him any problems
0: Dang <laughs> you didn't have to do them like that <laughs> So um, I got us, you know, we've played well against Alabama the last two years. Um, this is a nightmare team. This is a, their revenge tour, guys. They, their offense, my, this, this sounds inc- incredulous, but their offense is probably going to be better. Like, that's, that sounds <laughs> insane. I think we lose this game probably 28-21, if I'm being slightly optimistic. Uh, and like I said, I, there, you could convince me that we have a chance to win this game. Right now, This is our most likely loss on the.
1: Yes, by far. Um, I I actually have state losing as well, thirteen to twenty-one. So, gotcha. Moving on though. uh,
0: Next week is homecoming. We get homecoming, the second to last game of the year, which makes we our schedule this year, guys, is really odd. You know, you you start off on the road, then you have three home games, three weeks without a game at home, one home game, two weeks without a home, or three weeks without a game at home, another home game. It's just really weird. Yeah. Um, but now we have Alabama. I mean, <laughs> Abilene, I mean, after we have Alabama. I mean, after we have Alabama, sorry. We have Abilene Christian for homecoming. Uh, that's, an F, that's our FCS cupcake. And the only thing I'm going to say about this game, I'm not even going to talk about the game itself. You know, if you play in the SEC, they don't want to get mad because we play a couple, a couple group of five teams or a couple uh, – or maybe an FCS team or two. Guys, if you play the SEC, I'm sorry. Until SEC teams start having as good or better better overall records than other teams and start getting left out of the playoff, there's no incentive to schedule these other teams, except for ticket sales and stuff like that. It's better for the sport. But if I'm a coach, I'm trying to win national championships. I'm trying to win SEC championships. I don't want to play 10 conference games to do that. You know? I don't. There's no need – I don't think – and, again, as a fan, I'm coming to the game. If Me, personally, I'm coming to the games anyway. Sure, would I like to see us play, you know, Ohio State or Minnesota or some exotic cool SEC or Big Ten – or, excuse me, ACC or Big Ten team or something like that? Yeah, that'd be great. But I'm trying to win, win as many games as possible. And, like I said, until we start going 11-1 and and 12-0 and and getting left out of big bowl games and, and playoff games – there's no reason for us to to, st- to stop scheduling what they call cupcakes. Yeah. That's just me. um I think we're going to win this game 66-3. There, there's my score. All punch. right. And, you know, Colton, like you said, he wasn't going to talk
1: anything about the actual game. And I just have a, a, uh, a couple quick facts that I wanted to bring up about Abilene Christian. Just looking back to last year, they had the 38th offense and the 51st ranked defense in the FCS last year. Okay, that's. That's really all you needed to know about them. I think State wins 59-6. to
0: All right. Now probably our most fun game to predict.
1: Oh, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Actually, one more thing about Abilene Christian.
0: One more thing. We can't get ahead of ourselves. So,
1: I actually have uh, made this. I'm willing to put this on here. If Mississippi State loses to Abilene Christian, I will get Matt Corral's face tattooed on my abdomen.
0: Are you serious? Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a dead serious.
0: You heard it here first. Oh my Oh man, I'm almost, <laughs> I I want to see you do it. Please, Gavin. You're serious. Yeah, I'm dead serious. Okay, we're going to we're going to send this portion of our episode to as many people as we know to hold him accountable. To make sure that he goes through okay. with it. If we lose I don't think we're gonna lose to Abilene Christian. If though.
1: we lose to Abilene Christian, Christ is coming back the next day anyway, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, that's I hope there's an Abilene Christian family listening to this that, that sends you letters, <laughs> sends you an email. A strongly worded email. At the end of this episode, at the end of this episode, put your yeah. email out there for yep. anybody to send you a strongly
1: uh, worded email. DM me at Hill State Wave.
0: Tell him, y'all. Instagram DM him and tell him why how he's sleeping on Avalanche. <laughs> um. Anyway, moving on, we have the Egg Bowl. Um, Gavin, you think I can get through the segment without mentioning the team we're playing, like the name?
1: We can try. I already brought
0: up their quarterback's I name, bet we can. so. i that that's That's different. So we have the Egg Bowl. This is uh, this is a team that lost almost every piece they had on offense, guys. Not the most uh talented team on offense to begin with last year except for their receiving group um they their quarter they had a good quarterback last year that I respect as a player um and it's a good guy to be honest uh, John Atama, uh, the starter yeah, last year I like
1: Tommy. Yeah,
0: he's Tomu, my Tomu is he is dude.
1: my favorite quarterback from that school in a long time
0: ever yeah, I can see that I didn't like any of the last yeah. ones uh, Chad, Chad Kelly Bo Wallace they're all jerks yeah. um I'm sure they don't like Nick Fitzgerald, but Nick Fitzgerald bought on them. So, I wouldn't <laughs> Tomu never, but Tomu never bought on yeah. us guys. Okay, he had a decent game, the game we should have won two years ago, and he was when he was in the game last year. He, we were giving him fifths. So, um, like they, they're, they're the best hope that this team has is the fact that they've got two good coordinators on either side that they showed out a lot of guaranteed money long term to, which could come back to bite them. And they look to improve on defense and re and hold their head above the water on offense but after wh- how good their offense was last year even though we now let me just lay out the facts they're going to have a less talented offense this year than they did last year okay they keep, they've got a, a, a redshirt freshman quarterback they've returned they're bringing back a running back and two offensive linemen and then that's it from that offense yeah. and we held them to three points in their stadium their defense might be a little bit better. I think their best chance of it being a lot better is if they're uh, C- coach McIntyre, their uh, former head coach of Colorado, their coordinator on defense. If he's just a wizard with that defense, I think that's their best chance to even be bowl eligible. This is, it's, it's dark times for, for this school. Okay. It's not. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be, and this, this is me being honest and actually kind of trying to be nice. It's, they're, they're rebuilding. Their best chance right now is to, is to win a lot of recruiting battles and to see what they can do against us and some of these other schools on the recruiting fronts and then try to just rebuild from the ground up. Um, Matt Corral is the quarterback that they can do that with. Um, if he can keep them above the water until that point, uh, until the point that they get back to where they want to be, that's, that's, I think that's the most likely scenario for them to get back to where they want to be. That being said, I don't think Matt Luke. Matt Luke, their head, the head coach. They, he needs to lead his team to at least at least six wins. One of those being the Egg Bowl, or else he's probably yeah. gone. The good thing about Matt Luke is they hired him when they were going through all those, uh, you know, problems and violations and bans and all those things. Matt Luke's not going to leave them. He's going to stay there as long as they'll have him. So that was the only good part about that move. He's just not a head football coach yeah. yet, and he could become. He could. If he wins, if they win seven games this year, he could stay stay there, and uh, stay the head coach for a long this, time. But he's got two former head coaches as coordinators as well. Yeah. Just the writing's on the wall for him. That 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 also postpones their their the 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 rise back to where they want to be that they plan on having. Um, if they do fire the coach, you know that'll just be a little bit of a setback. But it's probably something that they're going to have to do. Uh, I, I'm not. I don't feel bad for him. I'll be honest i i hope I hope they never get back to where they want to be, but
1: so looking looking at their coaching thing, their coaching situation right now, it really reminds me a lot of uh you know even though I wasn't very much into football around this time period um it reminds me of the coach o situation that this particular school had a few years back oh, I loved that coaching situation yeah.
0: that was a great and that's that's situation. what it reminds me of I thought it was gonna work out like that for us against LSU. Yeah.
1: but that, that just kinda just, reminds me of that's what this reminds me of because you know they got they got a premature head coach and he went to a miss and he wasn't very good and then he goes and like you said Matt Luke might be that head coach in a few years but it's just not not right now. He's not ready for that quite yet. And that's just
0: has it shown him? right has it shown that he's Correct. ready for that. You know his best his best win but think about it guys is think about the SEC games they've won the last couple of years. His best win is against the Texas Tech team where they uh, took out their quarterback and against the Mississippi State team in 2017, where he, as an interim, led them to a win when they took out their quarterback.
1: Yeah. So, my biggest thing that's,
0: that's his best two wins.
1: My biggest thing, really, about this team, uh, I keep on almost saying it and I stop myself. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing for them,
0: I'm not trying, and I'm not trying to be just terribly disrespectful. I'm just, I, I'm, it's a game yeah. to me. I'm trying to see if I can
1: yeah. do it. Uh, same over here. But the biggest thing for them right now, going into the season, is just how how much they've improved their coordinators. I mean, Phil Longo and Rich Rod are not even from the same planet.
0: Now, Rich Rod's going to install a very their offense is going to look more like ours has in the years past, and they're not built to run that offense right now. Right. They're built. They're built to run that high flying offense, which worked. Rich Rodriguez is a former head coach, though. He coached at you know West Virginia and Michigan, and, he, and or excuse me, yeah, in Arizona, didn't do the best job at some of those places. But he's got experience doing those things and running a type of offense that's different than what they want to run now. with excuse me, different from what they have been running, but the type of offense that we know works because Dan Mullen worked. It's going to be a, a similar to Dan Mullen's offense, guys. Is what's is going kind to of, you know kind of a lot more running. They got the quarterback to do it. I don't think they have the linemen and stuff to do that kind of offense, but we'll see.